oftentimes I think we're giving other people a shorthand expression for how they're feeling. Uh, we're giving voice to that. For people that might not have the time or inclination to sit down and spend so much time considering an object or considering a feeling or an emotion. Welcome to the Flying Fruit Bowl, a platform dedicated to the discussion and exploration of art and the creative process. I'm the host and creator of the Flying Fruit Bowl, Aaron S., and today's episode is the first part of a two-part conversation with the incredible Kevin Scott Davis. Kevin is an artist and musician from the US who is currently exploring the fundamentals of portraiture and the human form. Although he's only at the beginning of his artistic journey, Kevin's work is already highly accomplished and the enthusiastic approach to his work makes him an artist to be looking out for. I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with Kevin, and I hope you like it too. Best place to start, how to start with everybody, is just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became an artist. Okay. Um, well, my name is Kevin Davis. I grew up in Northern California, and I, I think uh, I've always been an artist, uh, which is probably a bit of an easy answer, but... Um, it's innate to me. It's always been there. It's the kind of thing I'm sure you've probably heard people say before. It's not really a choice. Um, so like I said, maybe a cop out a little bit to that question, but, uh, more specifically, I guess it started as a child. I, I did draw all the time and, um, uh, was really into cartoons and, you know, uh, visual art in terms of, of, uh, uh, the kind of child would, would be into or whatever. So it's just always kind of been there. I don't remember a time when I wasn't creative or making stuff. Um, so I, I just don't, I don't know anything else. <laughs> that's, that's good though. Yeah. Like a lot of people say that, but I think it's cause art's quite intrinsic to like the human, like to humans and kind of to the way that we want to be able to kind of leave our imprint on the world. I think that's always kind of an interesting way to consider it, I think. And yeah, I think a lot of people say that, but it's cause it's a good answer because it's a truthful answer. Right. Yeah, I do believe it. So did you actually study art? Uh, I did not. I, I did go to school for music. So I have a degree in music composition. Oh, okay. uh, but I've never formally studied visual art. Okay. So okay. It's kind of funny. I said I started out drawing pictures as a kid. And at some point what happened was, you know, I picked up a guitar in my uh, teen years and kind of got swept up there. And, um, I only played guitar for a couple of years before heading to college. And while I was in college, I kind of flip-flopped around um, and ended up with a degree in, in music. So kind of went from visual art into full-blown music. I wasn't doing any visual art during college or for quite a while after that. But um, so with music, yes, I, ha I have some education with art now. So do you think that a degree or kind of education itself is important for any kind of creative endeavor? Ah, you know what? This, I felt like this was a really good question. So I, actually, <laughs> I wrote a couple of notes on this one. That's even better. <laughs> me as, I, as I scroll down to find my... That, that's my, perfect. Um, I know what my answer is. Um, I would say no, that a degree is not important for an artist um, necessarily. But uh, I've noticed a trend in the last few years um, where I think there's kind of a movement well, regarding sort of conceptual art, uh, which is, I think, 
my understanding is that's kind of what's been taught in art colleges and art schools, um, primarily in this country over the last couple decades, um, versus kind of this new movement of academic or realist art that's cropping up a lot right now. And um, I, I, I suspect that as the culture kind of shifts away from the conceptual, uh, artists are going to be desiring kind of a, a skill-based education again, in terms of more like a trade trade schools or craft um, for draftsmen and painters and things like that. Um, but that really depends on what you're going for. Uh, like, obviously there will still be plenty of conceptual and abstract artists left uh, in the future, but I think it's exciting kind of what's happening where people are kind of returning to, um, seems like the desire for a more traditional um, education is it almost feels new and fresh rather than old again at this point because we've been away from that so long. I know a lot of artists who regret not having um, been taught more concrete skills while they're in school. It's like on one hand, they were taught how to defend uh, from critiques and how yeah. to build a philosophy behind their work. And that's really important too. But like I said, it, it really depends on what kind of artist you, you want to be. Um, so that's that's partly what I think, but I also think you know in this day and age, things like YouTube and Skillshare, um, places like that are amazing, and um, you can get a lot of education. Whereas you know when I was back back in college, um, when I was in it, those things didn't exist. So you had to get your learning from someone, and you were kind of at the mercy of whoever that person was. So if they were a really great teacher, you had a really great education. But if not, um, you were still looking. So, you know, it's a blessing and a curse though, too, because um, with the, the sheer amount of stuff that I think young artists are having to wade through to cobble to get together their own education, uh, while it is possible, I think it's it, it can be uh, confusing as well. So uh, I don't know if that totally answers your question, but I don't think the degree is necessary, but I do think education is important. So that's actually a really, really good answer. And I must say, like, the idea of going back to traditional, like, kind of painting and traditional methods, it's not something I've actually really thought about. Um, but that's actually kind of a really interesting thing about in terms of the shift, the current shift, I guess, in contemporary art and the way that, like, art is currently viewed, like, at this particular moment in time. Because obviously a lot of it is, like, you know, NFTs, you know, making money online from your work. Um, and obviously with, obviously, the pandemic, which we'll get into in, in a few minutes. Um you know, the kind of gallery system has kind of shifted a lot. Uh, right. So it's kind of interesting to think about, actually, you're right, like maybe people are going back to school for art because they want more concrete, yeah, concrete foundations underneath them. Because yes, you're right, YouTube and Skillshare are, are great and they're, they're, you know, websites I love looking at and using, but there's you have to have that motivation to use them. You have to kind of have a certain drive to be able to force yourself to learn but whereas in, if you're in a program where you're paying money to learn you're going to learn either way you've, you've got no choice um, right yeah so i think that's yeah i think that's a great great answer and the fact you made notes means that you actually like the question which is cool um <laughs> so well, i'm still sweet. learning I, i'm still very much teaching myself and yes. i'm 20 years out of my college education I, I would say that i've learned more in the past 10 you know five to ten years uh, in terms of my music and art education than I did when I was in college. So yeah. I'm happy for my degree, but yeah, I think for most artists, it's a lifelong. Yeah, the learning never stops. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So my next question for you is, what is the biggest challenge of being an artist or creative? 
again, scrolling to my through my notes. <laughs> I love it. Um, I I think for my I can only really speak for myself. Of course. But I think for me that the biggest challenges have come from within. Okay. Uh, primarily, you're sort of holding intention like this unwavering belief in yourself and in what you do and that it is worthwhile and important um, versus not, not to sound histrionic, but society as a whole kind of has a different set of values oftentimes. Yeah. And, or at least what's reflected to us, you know, through social media and through what we see on TV and stuff like that has is centered a lot more around finances and maybe entertainment. Um, so I think it's just that, that continuing to believe in yourself, even when the world is telling you that um, their model of, of success might look a little different. Um, it's not a new concept. I think a lot of artists know this, but, you know, and there are, there are, a, there's a point of crossover for artists, I think, who are, you know, the professionals who are working and getting paid somewhere in the center between those worlds of um, making art for yourself and making art for uh companies and and things like that where people can make a living um but i think navigating that place is one of the hardest things for artists because it can especially be really disheartening for smaller artists if they aren't getting you know the big clients or the notoriety or you know the thousands of instagram followers i think it it the struggle is just continuing to believe in yourself and having a reason to do it whether or not you're being paid for it I think that's that's yeah personally for me yeah like absolutely I would agree with that completely because I think that so I think I feel like every artist struggles with that but people don't often say it as much as maybe they should do or like there's no maybe there isn't I just don't see it but there's not enough reassurance um because you know sometimes it's very hard to figure out if you're on the right track or it's hard to figure out if what you're doing is worthwhile because I you know I like the internet I like social media more than I have in the past um but sometimes social media is not a good reflection of the work you're producing because, you know, there's algorithms involved, you know, if nobody likes your post, it's not because they don't like it. They may not have seen it, you know, sure. there's kind of things aren't always as clear as they appear to be, I guess it's probably the best way to put it like on social media and kind of, if that's the way you're getting determining of the value of your work solely, um, I think it can be quite hard for artists to kind of navigate that specifically. Um, and in my personal opinion, I think it's hard as well just to kind of, you know, you want to stand out, but at the same time, you also want to fit in. Um, yeah. It's kind of, it, it, yeah, it's kind of a, a dual kind of process that kind of has to go on in your work. Um, <laughs> that was a slight ramble. <laughs> no, no, it, I think you're exactly right. I think somewhere in there, I think um, what we're talking about is, you know, if, you, if, if we're talking about being a professional artist in terms of making a living, um, then we're talking about business and yeah. every business has to have a service it's selling. And I think to some degree, that's true with a working artist. If your goal um, is to be successful commercially. And I think that's just a really, it's a, those are some muddy waters for all of us who are making art. You know, I told you that for me, it's always been innate. I would be doing, I'll be doing this until I die, I'll never retire. I would be doing it whether I was getting paid or not. The biggest challenge has been holding day jobs while I have to come home and have a another oh. full-time job, which is the yeah. making of art. So uh, yeah, just holding those things in tension, I think is really, really tough. And also I think it's, 
it takes a certain degree of, um, I guess there's like an inherent selfishness, I guess, or yeah. maybe narcissism yeah. that comes with it that's almost necessary to be an artist, to, to continue all throughout your life, to believe in yourself to that degree. And it, you don't want to be, you know, it's definitely possible to, to become selfish. <laughs> and so um, for me, I've spent a lot of time thinking about is what I'm doing of any benefit to anyone else personally or, you know, otherwise, and how much can I cut out? How much can I do that fulfills me, but also makes other people, hopefully their lives better. Yeah. So that's, that's really nice to hear. And I think anybody listening to it will, will benefit from hearing that because I think it's something that we all think about from time to time, because it's, it's kind of important. It's kind of like you're putting yourself out there for people to kind of, um you know understand and you know art can be very personal on a load of different levels um and i think realistically yeah it's kind of nice to realize like actually we're all in the same boat we're all kind of trying to hope that people are seeing what we do and appreciate what we do on a level that's not just okay cool that's a nice image okay that's really cool okay that's you know awesome which is i'm super guilty of doing on social media but it's kind of like you want to know how it makes people feel you don't want to just tell people, you want to just don't people to tell you it's a great image. You want to know how they feel, how they actually truly interact with it, as opposed to just viewing it or scrolling past it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, again, as a term, you know, as a form of service, it's not always just about you. Um, it's funny because if, if we talked about this aspect of, you know, 10 years ago, I was very, I think, immature in my perception that, you know, it was, it was, you stay true to the artist's vision and, uh, forget what everybody else thinks, you know, I'm yeah. going to do what I'm going to do, but I don't know if I've just kind of softened up in my, <laughs> my old age, what, but I, I've grown to appreciate the, um, the value of the audience and to respect yeah. that and, and to love your audience rather than, you know, um, carrying on with this idea that, you know, I'm the lone artist and I have the great vision and that is all about me. So, <laughs> yeah that's i think that's such a good point to make i think i think the audience in terms of artists in the audience maybe we don't consider the audience enough um maybe but okay we'll get into that anyway later on because we've got a whole section on social media which people love to hate so um <laughs> let's go on with the next question which is during the covid19 pandemic how was your creative output and or kind of how did you deal with it in a creative way um well, it's kind of ironic in my case because I actually it was the year that I've made my first uh, Glowworm album in wow. almost a decade, uh, which is kind of a story in itself. But I'm kind of one of those people, I'm sure you've probably heard it on the podcast, but I'm kind of one of those people where it's like the pandemic hit and my daily schedule really didn't change. Um, you know, I think a lot of us as artists are at home a lot anyway, um, working. And I'm definitely an introvert. So uh, I, apart from the, you know, the horror of everything that was yeah. happening, I was spending a lot of time talking with my wife about what was going on and um, just sort of praying for the world at large. But, you know, personally and creatively, um, I was kind of just in my element, um, you know, not having, it was almost relieving, to be honest, if I'm being really honest with myself, it was one of the few times in the past decades where I felt like I no longer had to apologize for just wanting to be at home making art all the time. Um, I don't know, that sounds strange, but it was like suddenly the whole world was um, 
sort of commending you if you got anything done um, yeah. from home or whatever. And so I did. I, I I had been working on an album. I mean, it wasn't just through 2020. Uh, I was working on it through nine, 2019 leading up to it, but I did finish my album that year. Um, I think the biggest change for us was we had been living in a house. Um, my landlord passed away shortly before the pandemic. Oh. So but you might be able to see from my surroundings here, but my, uh, my wife and son and I moved temporarily in with her parents during the, or just before the pandemic hit. And then we thought, you know, we were going to be here a couple months uh, yeah. and then the pandemic hit and it's been here. We've been here almost two years now. So um, that's been, that's been really different. And I managed to continue doing my, um, my music from basically a corner in an upstairs bedroom. So uh, there have been some challenges, but as far as yeah. like emotionally, psychologically, personally, um, I was almost more productive than I've been in a while. And I'm actually really curious. This is like a super curious question that wasn't on the list. Um, but like, do you ever record yourself making your music? Sometimes I make guitar videos. Um, I think for a while I felt like I needed to do that um, for promotional purposes. Um but again, uh, I, you know, I'm used to having a, a bigger place to do music and a, yeah. more of a permanent studio setup. It, it actually has been really eye-opening to how little <laughs> I can get, get away with working with. Um, but over the past two years since I've been, you know, without a real studio, um, I, just simply because of my surroundings or, yeah. or lack of professional surroundings, I don't make a lot of videos. Um, is that kind of what you mean? Or my yeah, process? But- yeah, like the process, because I feel like I'd be really, really interested in seeing that, particularly in assessing where it's not necessarily a, a polished professional studio. I'd be really sure. interested to kind of see how you navigate that as a professional musician. Sure. Um, and I think actually people can get a lot of benefit from that, who are like bedroom producers who are starting in their bedroom and or who don't have a space. I definitely thought about that. Um, I really admire a lot of the people who make more educational type videos where they show their process and how to do things in the software or the hardware or whatever on YouTube. Um, I actually think it's the best case scenario if you are a musician, if you can do that. I think it also helps, um, really helps you gain true fans because you're giving something to people, not just shoving your music in their faces. But, you know, I think that really um, sort of incites devotion uh, people that will listen to any of your albums because they already know who you are because you, you're a teacher. And um, I have some friends doing that, but I just haven't felt, first of all, it's not um, it's not my gifting. Yeah. And then second of all, I feel like my process, this is kind of funny. I've been doing this for 20 years, but I feel like every time I sit down, I'm rewriting the book kind of a thing. Yeah. I do not sit down and act like I know what I'm doing on a daily basis. And I don't know if that's a neurosis or what. Obviously, you know, my ears have developed and they've gotten better over time. My eyes have developed and gotten better over time, but I'm just one of those people that I don't know what I'm going to do next until I'm kind of in the middle of making those, uh, those choices. And so doing an instructional video, um, I think there are people that are much more, sort of uh, mechanically inclined or software inclined who really get into the details of how this piece of software works and that piece of software works. And to me, I don't, I don't really know. Um, they've always been a means to an end to me. And I, it's all, sort of by feel and intuition. So I don't know if that makes for a really good 
instructional video. I think it would be a lot of periods of me sitting there for 10 minutes and just listening to something 50 times and then scrapping it. You know what I mean? Well, then <laughs> what about maybe like live streaming it? Like doing like a live streaming Twitch session where you're just like three hours of you just literally messing around and making stuff? Well, you're making me feel like I probably should, you know? No, just because, um, just because I would love to see that. I'd absolutely love to see that. It's just because well, I'm just interested mean, in the process. That means a lot that someone like you would say that because... I think sometimes we get so used to ourselves too that it's yeah. like you know you just don't assume anybody's going to want to see this stuff it's just absolutely but you're right i think um it would be nice to maybe get to that point to just throw on like a screen capture and maybe do some stuff i know there are a few people who would probably enjoy watching me work on stuff but um maybe this will segue into some of your other questions but Part of my struggle with that has also been um, over the last couple of years, this desire to be away from the computer. Yes, yeah. And a lot of my music making and and sort of music production ha has taken place on the computer for the last decade. Um, and uh, sort of mental health wise, um, philosophy wise, I've been looking and finding some ways to move away from that in the last couple of years. So um, as far as, you know, video, making videos of myself and my process goes, I'm kind of in a transition period. So maybe I'll wait until I kind of figure no, out. No, I think, and actually that's actually a really important point you raised because that's actually something even in my life at the minute, I'm very, very kind of consciously aware that I'm trying to get away from the screens as much. I'm trying not to, yeah. like say, be on Instagram as much or I'm trying not to be on my phone all the time or not looking yeah. at a screen. Um, and it's kind of interesting because as part of the artist role or any kind of creative role is that screen time is going to be part of your daily life. You will end up looking at a screen more than you will actually probably end up producing whatever art you're creating. Um, so it's, it's a good consideration to have, actually. And it's something that people should really think about because you have to think about your eyes for the future. You have to think about kind of like your mental health, particularly with sites like Instagram, where people are doing stuff every day and it makes you feel like you're not doing anything, for instance. So, um, yeah, I think that's actually a really good point you raised. I think probably unintentionally it's a very good point you raised yeah and i think a lot of musicians nowadays think um you know all of us kind of have to be um playing the instrument writing the song mixing the song some of them mastering the song <clears throat> promoting the song you know there's yeah there's just a endless amount of hats you could wear along the the line in the process and um yeah i've just been learning how to say no to one or two of them to try to to be better at uh the others do you, do you know what i mean so i'm decent at mixing um because i've just done it as a means to an end for 10 or 20 years um but i think it's taken me this long to admit to myself that i really don't enjoy being in front of the computer all day making music um I think early on when all this new music technology was first coming out, it was so exciting and it was so enticing. And, um, you know, when I was in my twenties, I jumped right on that stuff and sort of adopted it, adapted my workflow to this stuff so much over the course of the last couple of decades that, um, I almost feel it was a little crippling. I became a little too dependent on the computer for finishing work. Um, and so that kind of goes back to what I was saying about education as well. 
Uh, I've spent a lot of time the last couple of years just going back and really studying the fundamentals of music so that when I write a song, I can actually sit in a room and perform it, you know, front to back on my guitar or whatever chosen instrument it is and take that song as um, a finished or, you know, in some form finished uh, piece of work that you then go into the studio and hit record and capture it rather than thinking of the recording studio as the instrument itself, which I think a lot of people are doing this day. And I, I still am guilty of that. Um, but it's just a matter some people really thrive on that stuff. They love that stuff. I was just talking to a good friend yesterday about, he's very well known in the music world. He loves mixing and he loves that kind of stuff. Um, but I think you have to decide at some point you have to really get, real with who you are and how you want to spend your time. You know, in 10 years, do I want to be spending my time in front of a computer moving MIDI information around like an IT technician in Logic Pro? Or would I rather be outside um, strumming a classical guitar, you know, or maybe on a patio somewhere singing? It's really, it's two different roles. And Anyway, I'll, I'll leave no, it there. I'm just thinking, I'm like just thinking that's, that's a really, really good point. And it's, comments, it's not but... something I've really thought about. But now you mention it, it makes a lot of sense. Because I think we live in a society where no matter what kind of creative endeavor you do, you've got to be everything. And it's like, we forget that, you know, big artists, like, you know, people like Damien Hirst, like, he has a team of people. He's not just one person. It's not just him doing everything from the work to the marketing. He doesn't even make the work himself yeah. anymore. It's not even like him doing the work and the marketing and, you know, everything in between it's yeah. it's a team of people and i think i think i at the minute i feel like one of the biggest kind of issues that a lot of creatives have is that they're trying to do everything um and it's like yes that's not a bad thing i'm very yeah. very guilty of that but you can't do everything well there are things you're going to be better at doing things you're not going to be better at doing um and i think particularly like marketing for instance is a big one for artists and any kind of creative is like notoriously business and marketing are like the two things that artists are not great particularly great at because that's not part of their natural inclination right. of art you don't think art and they think oh, okay cool money in business um but i think that's a really good point in terms of like roles um, and actually it segues very nicely into the next question which is what kind of skills does one need to pursue a creative career <laughs> um wrote a note down for this one too <laughs> let me find that i'm almost curious as, as to what my answers were half an hour ago as opposed to what i'm about to say um oh i, I would just say um um you need to have tenacity you need to show up every day and um i honestly don't think i, I think that would get you a long way i don't even think it needs to go a lot a, a lot beyond that um but I, I don't know if you've read the books by Stephen Pressfield. He talks about this a lot. Um, he wrote The War of Art and Turning Pro and some books, books like that. But he talks about being a professional um, in terms of it being a mindset, uh, not necessarily um, a job title. And so I think the act of just showing up every day is a real act of bravery for an artist because you're always stepping into the unknown. You, you never know what you're going to come out with that, that day. You know, if the returns are going to feel like they're diminishing or they're worth it. 
Um, and I think you need to be able to potentially toil in obscurity for years um, without the promise that it's ultimately going to lead to you to some kind of success. Nice. Um, that might sound a little bleak, but I do think it's true. Um, I think one of my favorite quotes is by, I don't even know if this is considered a quote really, but one of my favorite stories about Philip Glass um, was that somebody asked him, you know, what's your secret? And, and he said, I don't, I don't have a secret. And then he thought for a second and he said, well, no, I do. You just wake up early and you work all day. That's about it. Uh, maybe that's a little simplistic, but but um, yeah, I think that's amazing. I, I really believe in that. Cool. That works so well. I think that it makes sense as well. I think it it can very much you can very much forget that just a very act of doing the work itself, like whether people see it or not, is means you're doing something towards the end goal. Um, even if you don't know what the end goal is, it's still you're doing something. Doing something is better than as I always said. Doing something is better than doing nothing. Um, take action. You know. Because otherwise, life's going to slip away, and you'll look at you'll look at the calendar, and it's like five years from when you last thought about what you wanted to do, um, which is more for my benefit than anybody else's. <laughs> um, so, okay, let's talk about you and your art. How did you come to find art as kind of a desire for you? In terms of career or um, life's purpose? <laughs> yeah. So, in terms of a career, and kind of like, so I, I guess the best. Uh, a different way to ask it, I guess, would be so kind of what inspired you to pick up drawing again and kind of make a go at it as opposed to just, you know, being like a cool, this this is not I ever did, that was cool. Well, for the sake of complete transparency, you know, I'm still very much at the beginning of that, yeah. that path. Um, I can tell you what caused me to pick it up again. Um, but in terms of, you know, career or anything, I just feel like that's, that's really far off um, yeah. for me in terms of the visual art. And I'm, I'm perfectly okay with that at the moment. In fact, I, I think it's a blessing <laughs> Yeah. Um, because I've worked in music uh, for so long at a level that um, I feel like the quality has always got to be pretty high. And um, at this point, I hope at least the expertise is somewhat high. Um, but it goes back to kind of what we were talking about, about, how I want to be spending my time and having it be so technology-based with the mixing and the producing and stuff. It's something that I'm, I think I'm quite good at by this point in my life. Um, but I was missing the um, much simpler sort of tactile nature of doing something meditative like drawing. And um, I, I felt like I was kind of returning to to my childhood self to a degree too. So what happened, I'll, I'll try to explain a little better. It's just a, a, a few months back, uh, a couple months back, it's been about three months now. Um, I just started doodling in a sketchbook again. Um, sometimes I have a hard time doing nothing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> And with music, I tend to do, you know, music most of the day and then at night I'm thinking about music and in the morning I'm writing music and it's just everything um, kind of a little bit of a workaholic in that regard and I wanted something that had nothing to do with that life um, but I'm just I'm just a creative person I just love um, creating things so I just promised myself that I would fill up a sketchbook um, with no rules or 
requirements um, as far as it being any good. And I just started falling in love with it again. Um, again, a, one of the biggest uh, appeals to me was being away from the computer, but still being able to make something. Because uh, as I said, the computer has been tied to my process for so many years now when it comes to making and producing uh, music that it was just mind blowing that I could sit down with you know a pile of lead on a piece of paper and all the same rules apply is what I found, you know, as far as composition and then execution, but it's just a different medium. I'm rambling a little bit, um, but the other thing I was gonna say about that is just that uh, I just find the act of putting pencil to paper so meditative um, that it didn't matter what drawing I ended up with. <laughs> But uh, it was more about the experience I was having and the joy I was having while drawing. Um, yeah, I'll just put a pin in it there. <laughs> no, but I'm really, really impressed with the work. Like, I'm extremely impressed with the work. I think, like, just the fact you've been doing it for such a short period of time, it, it is amazing. It really, really is. Well, I, to, you know, to be fair, I, I did a lot of it when I was a kid. So the act of observing and sort of copying over pictures by looking at, that's all I did when I was a kid. So I had a lot of practice back then, even until up until I was a young teenager. And then um, even a few years back, there was a period where I kind of got into it and drew a little bit, um, studied some Andrew Loomis kind of figure and head studies and things like that. Um, but yeah, I just say I started this most recent round <laughs> about three months ago. So it didn't come out of nothing. I had a little bit of experience drawing heads and things like that. But I know you posted the other day, um, like a little two month progress. Um, mm. And it was, um, you know, as I commented, um, it was really, really insane. Like the difference is, is insane. Like it's like, I you, so too. I, you've just, I was... you've just, you've done so well in such a short amount of time. Well, um, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. I, I, I have a feeling it's, it, it's almost, if I'm being honest and this is something I, I um, tell my wife all the time, <laughs> but in some ways I feel like music has always been more difficult for me. And I've been so bullheaded and so stubborn. That is, it is the thing that I've stuck with, but all the while, um, maybe just because I started out drawing, I've always had this nagging sense that maybe it's my more natural talent. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't really believe in talent to a, to a great deal, but uh, there's something about uh, the visual language that comes to me a little more naturally. I, I'm amazed that you think it's any good at all. I, I consider most of what I have on Instagram to be exercises and just, um, you know, I feel like I'm getting somewhere, I'm going somewhere, but I'm not really concerned with, with making, you know, finished pieces at the moment. But I have been surprised too, like you said, that two month comparison, I, I was really surprised at the progress the benefit of doing visual art is that you get a record of your progress yeah. as you go. And to me, that is thrilling because you can, I spent two years studying piano the last couple of years and oh. learning all my, I'm a guitarist, but I wanted to learn piano. So I was doing all these scales. I was practicing a minimum of an hour in a day and nobody sees all that. Nobody sees, there's no trail left behind of all those hundreds and hundreds of hours poured into your practice but the very very cool thing i think it's intoxicating actually is that when you're drawing you leave behind this visual yeah. tangible 
trail of your progress from the beginner's mind to becoming, you know, someday an expert. And to me, that's kind of why I'm doing this thing on Instagram is, is to document that. I want to keep going, hopefully forever. See, but I think that's part of the, the interest in your work is because it's not perfect. And therefore, you can see that it's going to develop further and that you've got other things you're going to do with it. Because I feel like if you created work that was just too perfect, it would be nice, but then it's just nice. It's yeah. like, you, like, like you can you can see that like like the re- a good reason to follow you on instagram not just trying to plug you but a good reason to follow you on instagram but because you know in a year's time you're going to have progressed and there's something that's going to be worth seeing throughout those that year you know as opposed to as opposed to yeah i say as opposed to just okay yeah that's cool kevin draws really really nice people yeah yeah so you know i think it's kind of like sometimes art can be too perfect or there can be a strive to be too perfect in what you're doing or any craft actually actually any craft actually and when actually it's a progress really that people probably are really interested in seeing now i'm saying that i'm like oh it's a progress that people are probably more interested in seeing than perfection and i think that's something to bear in mind well that's that's awesome to me that you picked up on that because i think that's really what i'm i'm personally interested in um my favorite thing right now is um, go to artists' Instagram feeds and scrolling as far down to the bottom as I can yeah. and seeing who they were in 2017. And um, it, it's kind of funny. It seems to take about three years, I've, uh-huh. I've discovered. I mean, I, you know, I've, it's different for everybody, but with um, people who start out drawing, it, t- it seems, for whatever reason, it seems to take about three, two to three to four years. And the difference between what they were doing when they started and um, what they do now is just, I think, such a beautiful thing. I really believe in um, self-betterment, growth, progress. And uh, so, yeah, I'm glad you picked up on that. And that my, my you know, my uh, point in posting all this stuff is hopefully to be one of those people who is brave enough to leave the crappy art at the bottom of the feed instead of taking everything out and curating a perfectly, you know, curated uh, feed. In fact, it was the greatest thing in the world, but um, somebody reached out to me this morning, sent me a picture of some markers that they had bought. They said they'd been eyeing these markers in their local art store for a couple of years, and that my posts had inspired them to finally purchase them and to start doing art, and did I have any recommendations on how to learn, you know, to draw heads or whatever. That's so good. that's never happened to me in my life and um it just felt so good you know so my being vulnerable hopefully showing people um the difference and this comes back to what i said about just showing up every day i believe in that so much that's the only reason why there's a big difference between two months ago and today is um a lot of people talk about how they want to make art and stuff and it's not all that hard but you just have to do it every day yeah that's true it's true I think that's yeah. And if it's easy to forget though, when you're in the kind of the mix of having to do everything, it, it's hard to forget. It's hard to forget the reason you started in the first place, I think. Um, sometimes. Yeah. Yes. Um I would say with drawing for me, I'm re- I've really latched on to how it feels while I'm doing it. So that if even if nothing ever comes of it, the it's very meditative to me. And even just the act of doing it, I feel better afterwards, um, even if I don't make a successful drawing. 
See, and that is why you are perfect for this podcast because that's such <laughs> a, such a great perspective on it that I I don't think about. And the thing that that I love about this podcast and, and getting the chance the opportunity to do it is that I learn so much from people. Um, and, you know, everybody has such a different perspective. Um, even though I ask you know very similar questions, people have such a different responses. Um, and I just really love that because it makes me think about things in a completely different way. I'm actually really curious that so you so drawing. Um, it's kind of a really interesting choice as opposed to say painting, which I think when people think of art, people automatically go to painting. And I'm just curious, like, have you ever explored with other different artistic mediums or is it drawing has always been something you've been interested in? Uh, I can't wait to start painting. Oh. Um, so yeah, so, you know, it's very um, utilitarian answer maybe, but I'm just drawing right now to develop my fundamentals. Okay. Um, However, I didn't expect to sort of fall in love with it so much. I really do. I really do like graphite. I like the medium. I've grown to appreciate it as a medium in itself and not just um, the thing that we all kind of grew up, you know, using for writing in school and things like that. But um, <clears throat> I think color, yeah, color is just a, a world I'm not ready to step into yet. And the, I think there's so much possibility with monochromatic work um i actually did photography for a little while too and oh, wow. so i've i've kind of dealt with this in the past um trying to decide i was a i was a professional product photographer for a short while oh. um it's just a random wow. aside but um i got really into analog photography and did a lot of black and white and i kind of felt the same way about that is that i, I really really love a good color photograph um in fact, probably more of my favorite photography is color. Probably more of my favorite art or painting is color. Um, but personally, I'm not ready to jump into that world yet. Yeah. yeah <laughs> uh, there's so much to explore in monochrome. And I think you need to get your values. Um, I think the values are the most important thing. And what you do with those eventually evolves into um, good color work. So one thing I'm really interested in is the fact that at the moment, all your work is portraiture. Yeah. And I was kind of, I'm just kind of curious as if like, is there a reason for that? Or, and or like, are you interested in pursuing other kind of subjects or are you just interested in sticking to portraiture? Um, this is, this is the answer to this, I guess, was kind of a surprise to me. Um, I'll say two things. One thing is I think on one hand, um, for years and years and years with my music. I've always done instrumental music. None of my music has any words or lyrics or very, very, very little. So, um, you know, and for years people are always like, I, you know, I love your music, but why don't you put, you know, why don't you put vocals, why don't you put singing? And I just never felt that was for me. However, um, I think a lot, you know, it's understandable that when a lot of people listen to music, they're listening to that, listening out for that human element. So when I started drawing, um, I just immediately started wanting to draw human beings, um, which is kind of funny because it almost felt like the antithesis of my music work. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of what I was looking for as well, because I, I kind of hopped into this drawing thing as a break or... Um, to do something different than the music I had been doing. So I knew I wanted to focus on learning how to draw people. But again, right now, this is sort of just utilitarian. Um, 
I'm really just starting by learning how to draw people. And I figured that the most direct, probably the first thing I should learn is to draw faces. So right now the portraiture, it wasn't like I set out to say, you know, I want to be a portrait artist. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm guessing that will develop and change over time. Um, one thing I'm being careful not to do is to say, you know, oh, I've been doing portraits on my Instagram, so I need to keep doing portraits. Yeah, of course. Um, there's a hundred head challenge going around the yeah. internet that I've been kind of, uh, kind of basing this idea on. I just kind of wanted to do a hundred heads and get better at drawing people's faces before I, I kind of moved on. I like to deep dive into stuff, but yeah, I have kind of thought about, well, by the end of a hundred heads, uh, people are going to kind of get used to the idea that I draw people's faces. And then all of a sudden, if I go to landscapes, it'll be a little funny, but um with my music, I'm very, very careful about these things and very considerate about these things. And I'm just sort of demanding for myself that I not be that way so much about this um, drawing project that I'm doing. I'm, I'm not pretending to be an expert at all. This is just the beginning. So I, I think next I'll probably get more into drawing the figure, the rest of the human yeah. um, body. But uh, I think my desire actually for that is is kind of creeping up pretty fast here. So I'll probably start doing that. But I just would like to be able to do well, whatever I do. Um, I probably need to expand a little bit, but sometimes maybe that's a little scary too. <laughs> I think like it's really fascinating that your both your art and your music is based on feeling, but more mm -hmm. your feelings than necessarily the viewer's feelings, which I think is actually very, very interesting. I think it's mm. it kind of makes for more of uh, an authentic end product, I guess, because it's like you're conscious about how other people feel, but at the end of the day, it's about you and how you feel, and that's why you're creating it. I think I think you're right, and I think there's probably both good and bad to that. I mean, on one yeah, hand, of course. Um, it's a way to be true to the work you're making because, you know, you're, you're only really compasses. If, if you don't believe it and if you don't love it, then you can't really expect, you know, um, the people you're giving it to, to do the same. So it really is kind of the only, <laughs> uh, the only beacon I have is making something that I want to hear or something that I want to see. Um, However, I think we touched on this earlier, but I, I do think I'm learning to, um, I'm learning more about the importance of the audience and um, not necessarily learning how to cater to an audience, but learning how to serve a little more. And so I don't want to get too far into the weeds on that because I think I'm still transitioning um, with that in my, uh, in my life, but yeah. I feel like I say this to, to actually probably quite a lot of artists nowadays, but like I think you're at a very exciting point in your career because you're just starting, um, particularly your art. I think even your music career, you're in a, you're a very interesting position because I kind of, and maybe this is a question for later or something that we'll talk about later, but I'm kind of curious to see how one will affect the other yeah. because they're, they're two very different beasts. And and as as the saying goes that you um, can't chase two rabbits at once, you know, it's like you kind of, there's a divide, you have to kind of divide your time. And actually, we'll get into that question later for sure. Because I know that it's down the list somewhere. But um, I'm just kind of curious about like, you know, there's, there's actually quite a strong intrinsic link between art and music. A lot of people I've already spoken to previously in the podcast are musicians or do do music or, or have some kind of relationship to music in a way. Like actually, the last person I interviewed was 
an incredible photographer from the States called uh, Trent Loder. Um, and he, at the minute, is taking pictures of, of musicians. Um, he's shooting musicians on film. Um, and his work is incredible. And he has a podcast, a music podcast. Um, so oh. actually, you're like a next, you're like a really nice next logical step without being the next logical step that I planned. So that's perfect. Um, I'll, I'll send you his, I'll send you a link to him later. Okay. Um, so yeah, so the models in your work is something that I'm also very intrigued in. Um, in terms of like, so how do you choose who to draw and kind of what you look for in a face? Sure. Um, uh, again, uh, just being new at it, I think there are definitely things that make better. Um, I use a lot of reference photos and obviously reference photos with good lighting um, where the shadows and the light are well-defined are always better for, at least for learning. Um, and so that's kind of how I started out. You know, I think a lot of people start out on Pinterest collecting pictures of faces and stuff like that. But what's funny is a few weeks of doing that and you start to see different renditions, but the same drawings of the same people kind of all over the internet. And you start to realize, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, hundreds of people are drawing this particular person. So you start to look for pictures elsewhere. So um, I've done everything from, you know, freeze framing images from classic movies to searching other places. And just recently I discovered a an online uh, chat room where a bunch of artists trade reference photos. So you oh. upload photos of yourselves and send them into the chat. Somebody else will paint it if they feel like it or whatever. And usually they share their paintings or whatever they've done. It's very cool. Um, but it's funny because people don't care nearly as much about, you know, the photography being good photography there. They're very much, it's kind of a different um a different approach it's more punk rock <laughs> i would say yeah. where it's almost like a, a it almost feels like it's um it's a sign of uh it's a point of pride to be able to paint a photo from a photo that's bad does that make sense <laughs> yeah that does that's it does and also that's why it's a reference photo it's not the actual image right right you know i guess yeah, there's a difference between between the two and that's something that i'm learning is that you know it is okay to use reference photos and uh, it's not necessarily going to look just like the, uh, the, the drawing or the painting. Yeah. But that's the whole point. That's why it's a reference, which is perfect. Um, and I think also yeah. that, that makes it even better because that means that you're not just replicating the image. You're creating your own piece of work inspired right. by the image, um, right. which is, which is great. Cause I think sometimes, and actually that's, uh, that, yeah, actually, yeah. There's a question here that I was going to ask, but I'll ask now. Because um, actually kind of lends itself well, I guess, or it kind of segues nicely. If it was actually not meant to be in that order, but it segues nicely into kind of the idea of like realism and the idea of of how accurate are you looking for your images to become in terms of, of reality? Like, are you looking to draw photorealistic people? Yeah, um, yeah. I was just going to say that um, as I progressed to getting better, um, I'm still such a long way off, off but... I think people don't realize starting out how difficult it is to get a likeness yeah because out of all the things in the universe i think our eyes are probably the most attuned to another human being's face you know since we were young we have been programmed to uh understand really minuscule differences between uh everybody's faces i mean we all have two eyes a nose and a mouth two ears or whatever but it's the absolutely minuscule microscopic differences between the shapes that um, make everybody look different. We're very attuned to that. So it's actually really hard to get a likeness. And over the past couple of weeks, I kind of started wanting to be able to do that more. And so I was looking 
into uh, more academic styles of drawing and attending an atelier and things like that, which I, I ended up putting on the back burner because I need to focus on the, my next album for a little while before I have the time to do that, uh, which speaks to the balance between the two things. It's always Absolutely. But um, to answer your question, I, I, I sort of started to convince myself I needed all this academic training to get better at representing the people I was drawing in a more accurate way. But as I pulled back from that by necessity, just because I knew I wouldn't have time to go to an atelier, I started to kind of enjoy my drawings um, for what they are a little bit more, kind of in a late, more laid back fashion. I, I think it's really fun to use a reference as a starting point. Uh, and it's really exciting when you get to the end of it and some something else develops and it may not look like your reference photo, but some new character has, you know, sort of arisen out of the process and it's it's exciting to find out who that person's going to be and what they look like and it, it usually works uh on its own merit anyway even if it doesn't look like the person you started with but it's a fun surprise so i kind of been having more fun with the process not flogging myself if, if it doesn't look exactly like the reference now there are cases where um you know i've, I've drawn like uh, bill evans or gerhard richter and some you know people who are really well known and in that case it's it's really fun to be able to make sure that it looks like that person if that's your intention but i don't know if that totally answers your question but again i'm Good. still very much in the beginning stages of learning all these things so do you think that art should be realistic no i don't think it should um, I think it's one approach. Um, I personally love the respect it's, it's getting again in the art world. And even if you had asked me myself a few years back, I don't know if I would have told you I was that interested in realism. I think I've always been drawn more to abstract concepts and atmosphere. Um, I think that's definitely true in my music. Yeah. Um, atmosphere is important to me. Um, giving the listener a place to inhabit rather than telling them what to, how to feel or what to think has been really important to me. But again, I, I feel like my visual art is in contrast to that because I'm exploring a different side to myself in my old age. <laughs> um, the act of observing is such a life-changing thing just sitting down and observing something that already exists. The act of drawing through that thing and all the time it takes you to run around every contour of that, whatever it is, bush, tree, rock, person, you, you really changed by, in my opinion, this might sound a little histrionic, but I, I believe you're really changed by the end of that drawing. I think the relationship that you've had with that subject by the end of that drawing is really, really powerful in a way that I've never experienced any other way, but taking the time to draw through something and draw from observation. And you don't really get that when you're drawing from imagination as much or, or when you're doing an abstract piece. Um, so right now that's just kind of what uh, I'm in love with and I'm concerned with. However, it's funny because what I would probably hang on my wall would be a little more abstract. <laughs> but I think, I think I'm allowing myself to do what I enjoy doing, which is drawing humans at the moment. And we'll see, you know, the more I do it, the more I appreciate other people's more figurative works and, and stuff like that. But no, I don't think it has to be real. I think it's just one approach. But it's kind of interesting because I have a feeling that you're going to be the kind of artist where you can do something so perfectly 
but it would just destroy it just to make it more interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'm laughing because I think you're exactly right. <laughs> like I imagine, I imagine you'll get to a point where you're so happy, but also bored with the idea of, of you being able to draw or paint the perfect face that you'll be like, let's not make this perfect anymore. And then that'll be kind of like the reason to paint something perfect because you can make it, I can say imperfect, but you can, you know, reverse the idea of perfection. Definitely. There's definitely something to that. I think for me, it's just a matter of getting my basic skills yes, of course. up to the point where that if I'm making a decision to draw, say, a human form incorrectly, I'm doing that on purpose and not by accident. Um, making that a conscious choice. But I think you have to learn the fundamentals in order to 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 be able to break the rules. I think the same is true for music. One thing I'm actually curious about as well is, and I just thought of what she was talking about progressing and, and doing figures is like, would you be interested in painting more than one portrait at one time, like on the page? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm definitely interested in storytelling. Um, and uh, larger compositions. I'm just not, I'm just not there yet. Um, you mean like a double portrait or something like yeah. that? Or do you mean just more subject matter? Like a double portrait. Yeah, I think so for sure. Um, I think, I think on one hand, I'm drawn to things that are, have a lot of negative space and a, a yeah. lot of simplicity to them. So there's that for me. Um, maybe stuff that's more complicated. I, I, you know, I'm not drawn to as much immediately. I have an appreciation for, <clears throat> but, but for sure. I mean, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm not at a place at all right now where I'm saying that I know um, what I'm trying to say with my visual art. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm just letting my style develop, but yeah, I'm definitely be, be interested in that. I, I'm interested in learning how to draw animals. I'm interested in um, more scenic uh, work. But right now, you know, the the human landscape is just so endless. So I just haven't haven't found a reason to really be doing anything else yet. Ah, also, that's just kind of reminds me when you said that. So I don't know if you've heard it yet because it only came out, I think, yesterday. What is it? Wednesday? Yeah, yesterday. But there's an artist I interviewed and I featured called Katie Harold. Um, I was just listening this morning. Oh, oh perfect. Yeah. Like how work I haven't is, finished it yet, but yeah. Oh, it perfect. Just... It's like how work, like how work is, it would be something really cool to look at. I'm sure you already know it because you've listened to it. Yeah. Um, she does graphite, a lot of animals. Yeah. And they're like really photorealistic. They're really beautiful. Really they're like cool. just really kind of, yeah, maybe that might be something you might be interested in looking at. I'm just thinking of who, who might be interested in looking at. Um, okay. So I have a, actually, it's interesting. It's a quote from a post from the artist Simona Rasheva. I don't know if you know her work or not. Um, uh, no, but I was wondering, I saw that on there and I, I didn't look it up because I was busy. I was going to get to that, but, uh, I was wondering what that was about, about time, how time. Yes. Yeah. So it says, so yeah. So, so let me quickly put the, the post into context, I guess. So, okay. um, so she was posting some images from one of her shows she's done recently. Um, and so she, so the caption was, do you think that time changes our perception of the work? Or do we ourselves change that translates into the work? So I guess to put it kind of in a, in a more simplified manner, particularly over the internet, um, is like, do you think that, like how, actually, I guess, like how reflective of time do you think your work is? In terms of, like when, you, when you're talking about that, I'm thinking of the way that maybe a photograph 
looks different, like a William yeah. Eggleston photograph yeah. looks or like, like or if, yeah, or like a drawing or a painting. Like I guess, I guess it would be like, like do your feelings on your work of like on your own work change from the moment you're creating it, and then do they change when you view it afterwards? Like maybe say oh, down the line. Um, certainly with music, that's always the case. Um, I, for me, music making music takes a long time, and so it's very easy to lose that sort of sense of freshness that you have, the feelings you had about going into it by that by the end of the you know. Usually, by the time I'm done with the song, I don't, I do not want to hear it for <laughs> you know a couple months. Um, even in fact, a whole entire album, the album I made last year, I had to spend a good deal of time away from it after uh, it was finished. It sort of, it sort of haunts you a little bit. Um, it's a lot of work to get something like that done. And, you know, unfortunately, if you have any perfectionist tendencies as I do, you're, it's impossible not to be a little bit critical of the end result. But what I found is that if you do let some time pass, um, best case scenario is that you begin to be able to to hear it or see it objectively again almost as if someone else made it and it's like the more the more time passes um i have old work old music work that I made years ago that i have no idea how i made it i, I have no idea it, it's like listening to a completely different artist and that's a lot of fun because uh i think that supports the idea that once you give birth to a piece of art it's really no longer yours anymore and it yeah. takes on its own life if that makes sense absolutely I, I do believe in that i think that's the best way to let it exist because um there is something a little more selfless about that when you can kind of let go no longer be precious about it and and it becomes the world's and it also almost is uh, such its own thing that you can even enjoy it as a person outside of it who, who didn't make it <laughs> if that makes sense at all yeah so that really does that really does make sense and it's something really interesting to think about in terms of like you become a spectator of your own work i like, think you can yeah like that's interesting that's not something i've thought about before but i'm like oh that's think, really clever yeah i do th i do think it's possible uh with a long passage of time i think it's hard to anytime you know um soon after making a work of art with my drawings i have no idea all i know is the drawings i did two months ago aren't as good as the ones that i'm doing today it's very simple though i'm just learning as i go yeah of course i know that that sounds like i'm reducing it to nothing but an exercise and that's not necessarily true either i think there's some soul in the marks there and of course. it's slowly starting to creep out and show itself and i really love watching that happen and that does feel a little bit outside of myself um, yeah but i think in this case i can just speak a lot better than the music side because i've been doing it for so long um, well that's perfect because we'll come over to that in a few minutes <laughs> okay um so i guess one of the last questions about your art the second to last question the penultimate question about your art <laughs> at least not the interview thank goodness just your art is um, what do you think like the role of the artist and all the like the purpose of art is? Again, I think, okay, I'm just speaking for myself here. Yeah, of course, of course. I would say for me, it's a calling. I happen to believe it's a God-given calling. 
although I don't always know what that means. <laughs> so uh, I think it goes back to that that feeling I have about it um, in terms of it, it was a way that I was born, not something I chose. But in general, I think artists have um, this great opportunity to suggest ways that looking in the world um, that others might be too busy to do for themselves are too um, uninterested. Well, let me rephrase, too busy to do for themselves. Oftentimes I think we're giving other people a shorthand expression for how they're feeling. Uh, we're giving voice to that. For people that might not have the time or inclination to sit down and spend so much time considering an object or considering a feeling or an emotion or considering um, even the meaning of life sometimes. I mean, ultimately that's what I'm getting at is it's the meaning of life stuff that we're talking about. I think artists can be conduits for something very spiritual and very important. Um, if you believe in a creator at all, we're in the same business as he is. And, um, you know, that's not something to, to scoff at or take lightly. At the same time, I'm not suggesting that artists be put on a pedestal, but I think there are just some of us with an inclination to, um, or sensitivity, um, that when we, we practice those things, um, yeah, we get, to, we get to have an effect on other people's view of the world. And it's a huge privilege. So that's really beautifully said. I must say that's very beautifully said. And I think that's, yeah, that's such a good, a good prayer. And it's funny because when I, as you already know, because you listen to the podcast, I always have like a little opening line. Um, and when I record the interviews, I'm always like, what is it going to be? And I think that's probably going to be yours. Well, I think it's going to be a two-part episode, so it's probably going to be one of yours. So let's talk um, about your music, because your music is... Actually, wait, I said that was an ultimate question. Okay, so one last question um, to do with kind of the art. I was just going to kind of wrap it all up, I guess, um, and then we move on to music, which is awesome. It's kind of... The one thing in your bio that you said is about the beginner's mind. And I know we probably touched on it earlier, but I just want to kind of flesh out it a bit more potentially. Um, but you said about the beginner's mind, and I'm kind of curious, is like, do you think that is there an advantage to being a beginner or to kind of being at the start of a creative process? Yes, I, I think so. I think that's kind of what I'm really enjoying right now about the visual art, having started in earnest so late in my life. Um, I think it's there's a Japanese story. It's a, it's a Zen concept, beginner's mind. I don't know if you're familiar with it. No. Uh, but it's the idea that... Uh, you know, it's not always the strongest and the fastest horse that's the best one to choose for battle because he's already knows so much um, that he's set in his ways and basically impossible to retrain. <laughs> and so um, I, I feel like I'm kind of that horse um, after 20 years of working in the music industry. And it's really hard to kind of see outside of your, uh, your lane when you get to be such an expert at something. Uh, but I'm in love with, with this idea of drawing with kind of a childlike um, love right now for this, for this reason. Uh, it's, the, it's the untrained horse that's moldable. And so I, I don't feel like it's a period that lasts. Um, it's very hard to hold on to is what I should say. Well, we all start out as children, most of us draw and we're not self-critiquing we're just going and going and making pictures and um, we're so proud of each one. 
And uh, it's only as we, you know, become adults that we become critical of ourselves. And then, you know, we don't want to do it if it's not correct, if it's not perfect. So I'm rambling a bit, but that kind of speaks to the idea of the beginner's mind. It's a place that you can inhabit um, by approaching everything you do as if you're doing it for the first time. It's easier said than done, but um, it's something that I do. Uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to mention this, but I feel like it's coming out now. <laughs> so, but, um, you know, I'm also a recovering uh, alcoholic. Oh. I, I, ha- I hadn't mentioned that at all. Um, okay. So I spent many, many, many years <laughs> struggling with depression and, and anxiety. And after um, getting better through recovery, this sort of concept uh, was really evident because, you know, you're spending a large portion of your life self-medicating in this way. And then suddenly that, that sort of darkness is removed and you, you start seeing things new again and fresh again with almost like childlike eyes, but in the middle of your adulthood. And uh, that's an experience that I, I feel like I've kind of lived in my personal life um, without getting, you know, incredibly dramatic. Yeah, here. of course. I don't mind sharing that at all because it really does inform all of the work that I do artistically. Um, so that speaks to the beginner's mind again, too. As, well, honestly, uh, I, I really respect that and I appreciate that. Like, and I appreciate you saying that. Um, and if you want me to cut it out, I'm more than happy to. If you want me I don't to. Mind, I don't mind if you keep it in. Um, but there's just a certain level of pride that comes with uh, expertise that I think you need to be careful of. And uh, there's something really beautiful and, and pure if you can get to that place of innocence. And there's a parallel there between that sort of story of addiction and then, you know, the artworks for me. I'm still traversing that. Um, yeah. I just hit three years sober. Oh, wow. Last week, I think it was. Um, That's amazing. I first, got, I first got sober in 2010. So I've been sober before but since my last relapse this has been my first real solid three years so i'm still pretty new in it um you know uh but yeah being a beginner has a lot of meaning for me both in my personal life and in my art that's perfect that's really really that's lovely and you know i really appreciate you sharing that like i really do i think that's pretty nice of you um and i I just respect that a lot because i know that it wasn't like the intention so like i respect that Um, oh i don't you know i don't it's something I'm proud of. Uh, it's yeah, absolutely. I, you should be proud I know of. A lot of people, uh, and I'm not the only one that struggles with it, you know. So it's probably pretty prevalent among artists too. So probably yeah, actually, on you, uh, you hit on this. Absolutely, yeah. Actually, that's something that I actually don't think I added to this list of questions that I normally add that I never really ask. Is like, do you think that actually there is a, a link between kind of mental health and art? Um, and kind of like the myth of, you know, the kind of struggling, kind of depressed artists. Do you think there is a link between the two? I think there's a link between being an artist and I think there's a psychological risk that you yeah. run um, being an artist. However, I think some of the perceptions and ways that we've treated it or been thinking about it, you said the word myth, and I think you're on something there. Um, the myth of the starving artist, I think, is just that. I don't think that to be um, an artist means you have to be suffering. You have to be 
in fact, I don't think your best art comes from a place of suffering. I think your best um, art comes from a place of wholeness and wellness. And uh, I think a lot of people are waking up to that in our culture. But yeah, it, it is a bit of a myth that you can only make work if you're terrified and sad. <laughs> yeah. But I but I do think that artists just tend to be sensitive people. And uh, going back to that childlikeness, it's very, very difficult to start off as a very sensitive soul in this world and to walk through it with all its challenges and, you know, just... I don't, I'm sure it's similar in the UK, but our society, our country is not set up economically or otherwise for artists to succeed. No, it's not here. So out of the gate, if you're a sensitive person and you're drawing pictures and you want to become an artist, you've got a lot of uh, cards stacked against you. And it's just, I don't know if it's, it's the circumstances or a combination of the circumstances and just the propensity uh, to feel things very deeply, but I, I think there's a connection between artists and mental illness simply because they're um, they're beautiful people, and I think uh, brave people. And some of these people get into arenas of, of mental illness because they're operating outside of the norm, and our society does, just does not have a lot of support for that. That's so true. I think that's yeah, that's so true. And this is why, again, why you're a great person to have interviewed. So they look at your perspective. And I think it's funny because there's always the people who say to me, I don't know if I've got anything to say. I always the people who have so much good knowledge and good advice to give. Well, I'm um, really glad you, I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you. Oh, good, that, that, that works, but I'm really glad to hear that you, you think it's good. So It's not just that, like it, it's cool for me because I feel like, and like without sounding big-headed, but I feel like it's nice to give people the chance just to talk about their work and about things yeah. they might be feeling to a complete random stranger from across the pond as well in our case um like it, it's kind of interesting because like how many conversations do you have with complete strangers for a good two hours straight like right, i don't right. know maybe maybe not that That's many nice i'll um, remember this for a while so okay so <laughs> let's talk about your music because obviously it's super interesting and that's why i was really curious when i read your bio that you've been a musician for a very long time and a very established musician as well not just okay cool you've made music like it's you're very established and, and i'm kind of curious like obviously you did a degree in music when you were younger but like how is your journey as a musician kind of like like what is the progress of being a musician and, and how do you feel like the industry is now as opposed to it was back in the day yeah um uh well my progress <laughs> i think this ties into a lot of things we've been talking about so far, but I think I can say, you know, I, I did go to college and got a degree in music composition. However, I was really inexperienced at music, um, even at the time of going, you know, even by the time I got to college. Um, I think I had six months of guitar lessons as a kid and it didn't really go beyond that. I didn't have any really formal training. And so I wasn't quite sure what I was going to major in in college. And, had done so many music classes, I kind of ended up with a degree in music. Um, at the time, though, I was, I was more interested in rock and roll. I was more interested in subverting um, to traditional forms and things like that. Uh, this is why I think it's so funny that, you know, fast forward 20 years and I, I've got this sort of <laughs> growing love for 
figurative art and re realism and things like that, because I never would have thought that. I was very much into experimental everything, abstract everything, conceptual everything. And so I sort of, I, I sort of went through college as a music degree student, like an art student. <laughs> Uh, I never stopped identifying with being an artist, even more so than being a musician. I was in school with a lot of other people who had classical training and knew a lot more about their instruments. And I was barely scraping by in theory classes and uh, anything that had to do with reading music, I was very poor in because it's just not something that I had growing up. But I managed to, you know, kind of squeak by with my degree and uh, I played in a lot of bands, um, both while I was in college and then after college. So I went to school in Seattle and then I moved to Portland, Oregon shortly after, a couple of years after I graduated college and played in some bands there, um, a band called Pacific UV. I learned a lot about, you know, being in bands from, from them. Um, all along that way, my musicianship personally was never really high. I always placed a lot of importance on the aesthetic and the atmosphere and kind of just being creative in general. I think that's always kind of been a strength of mine, but I was not really fostering or nurturing a lot of the, the fundamentals. <laughs> and that's kind of why I'm preaching this way today about those being important because uh, fast forward to a few years ago and I really got serious about doing another Glowworm album. Um, it's nice that you say that I, I come across this established. I appreciate that. <laughs> but um, I made an album. My first Glowworm album was in 2008. And, uh, you know, it, I got some good reviews and things like that, but it was no big deal to very many people for a long time. Um, and at a certain point, many, many years later, I think this was back in, oh, it was five, six, seven years ago, um, Spotify was suddenly on the scene and somebody over there must have been a fan or something but put one or two of my songs on um, one of their biggest playlists and so uh, I wasn't even, <laughs> didn't even subscribed to Spotify at the time I barely knew what it was <laughs> this was after many years of sort of toiling as an unknown musician all of a sudden uh, I got lucky enough to have you know this sort of exposure and millions and millions of streams and you know all of a sudden I had income from music and this was just from I mean it was virtually overnight um it was about 10 years of absolutely making absolutely nothing <laughs> off of my music and then uh this happening I wouldn't say that that changed my life but that was sort of the impetus uh for me getting serious about making another glowworm album and I guess that was the reason why there was so much time in between um that and you know what I've already shared with you about my own personal struggles with addiction and stuff like that that definitely takes a chunk of time out of your trajectory in life and your professional life um so coming back to what I said about the trajectory as a musician and my education this is all kind of coming full circle because it's only been in the last four or five years that I've gotten really serious about um the band again, doubling down on that. And then also sort of filling in all the holes I had been missing um, with music theory and my actual ability on my instrument and um, having a, a, a dedicated and disciplined practice um, as far as literally practicing my instrument every day. And um, 
I just didn't know the value of that when I was a kid, you know, so you live and you learn. Uh, and now I'm a little bit older, a little bit wiser. I really have an appreciation for those things. So I did a lot of self-education over the last few years, and I feel like I'm a much more well-rounded musician now. Um, and then just more recently, uh, I did do a new album last year. And it was the first album I had done in, you know, close to a decade. And through that process, I, I ended up collaborating with a lot of people um, and found my current partner. Um, so Glowworm is now a, a duo. You know, I had been on my own for so many years, writing, producing, mixing, all of that. And now I have a partner who's really doing as, as much as I am or more in terms of the, the heavy lifting and the songwriting and things like that. Um, I think this is getting away from me a little bit, but I'm trying to catch you up on, you know, well over a decade. Yeah. That was perfect. <laughs> the story so basically the short of it was that i went to school for music graduated spent some times and some time in rock bands had a little time away from music came back when i started people started listening to clover made a new clover album and then got a bandmate and that's kind of where i am now her name is asha dajnikoska she's uh, she's actually polish so she lives in warsaw and everything we're doing oh. is from uh, sort of long distance, but we become, you know, best friends through the process. She helped me with the album last year. And uh, that's probably another subject, but um, in answer to prayer, I've been looking for a partner like that for a really, really long time and they're hard to come by. So we're doing all of the music together now as a duo and I feel like we're just at the beginning <laughs> after all this time. See, that's the exact answer I expected from you, which is perfect because it gives me about like 10 different questions to ask and it's like none of them have actually written down. Um, so it's like so perfect. It's like, okay. I hear a lot of people don't understand like when I when I listen to, when I talk to artists and do interviews, it's like I really pay attention to what people say and it makes me think about five different things to say at once and I'm like, I'll ask this next and I'll ask that next and it's just like, there's so many things to ask. It's just like, because there's just so many tangents can go off from that, like so many different tangents. Like I'm just curious about everything from that i really am like i generally just am because it's just like what would happen so okay okay let me ask this question as if it was a question i was meant to ask you sure. um but like so what do you think would have happened or where do you think your trajectory would have gone had spotify not actually put your song in a playlist and you hadn't got the streams well you know i'm tempted to say that i, I might not have come back and made another album but i i don't actually think that's true I think that deep down the desire to, to continue making music has always been there. And it's kind of one of those things where, uh, yeah, if I'm honest with myself, I've always, always had the desire to create and I've just, music has been my medium for so long. So I think I eventually would have um, kept going, but I think I needed to sort some things out in my life personally. Yeah. Uh, I think the whole thing with Spotify, you know, placing that song just kind of um if anything it helped me to believe in myself again because i had put so much work into it for so many years with not a lot of return it's very hard to continue like that i mean just practically speaking in terms of i've almost always had a different day job you know yeah um for the most part there have been a few times in my life where i've made my sole income from music or or otherwise but um you know I'm 41 now, and for the most part, that's been um, an exception. <laughs> yeah. 
So saying all that to say, I think I'm one of those people that is probably doomed to just keep keep at it, you know, no matter what. I, I just, um, I'll never stop doing it. So in terms of the streaming companies and things like that, it's always a bonus when, when you get put on a playlist, you know, but I don't, it was also kind of scary because for a time I was making some money from that and it lasted two, three, almost four years. And I got very used to that, but it was directly related to, you know, probably some Swedish interns feelings on any given day you know all it all it would take is taking that song down and that money would be gone you know or vice versa and so I, I decided for myself a long time ago um I have a family you know I have a wife and a son and to put our financial welfare <laughs> and hopes yeah. um in the hands of uh, this fairly wishy-washy playlist situation that musicians are in today. I decided that um, that wasn't going to be my goal. And I was just going to always consider that as extra and bonus, but that I was going to sort of play the long game in terms of just continuing to put out work, hopefully making progress uh, with an organic fan base. And again, I still feel like I'm really at the beginning of that. We, we really did kind of a restart after so many years with this new album, but it came out last year. We've been working with a lot of um, artists this year and plan on doing a second one next year. So I really feel like we're just getting um, getting started in the momentum again where we're going. But like what, like it's just such a beautiful lesson in patience. <laughs> um, and it's a beautiful lesson to kind of realize that like things don't work out how you plan them to. Right. You know, like, it, you know, I think a lot of things have, I think, and this is definitely what we'll probably get into later on, but the idea of success and the idea of, of you think you think things are going to go a certain way and they don't, you know, it could just take, or as you just said, or it could take is the serendipitous feeling of one person that could change that, you know, your income or your financial situation, you know, very differently further on down the line. And, and it's kind of really interesting that it was such a long time that elapsed because it's kind of like, it's a great lesson to remind people that like you have to believe in what you're doing before anything else yeah. and before the money, because yes, okay. Of course, everybody wants to get paid for what they're doing. Who doesn't? But sometimes being paid for, to do the thing you love can be damaging to the thing you love because you don't love it anymore. Exactly. So, yeah. And I think I mean, you, sorry, I think you're like the perfect embodiment of that. I think that's like, that's why like, I'm so glad that things worked out well for you because you seem yeah. like you deserve it. So Thank you know, you. it's nice. It's taught me a lot about resolve and about who I am, you know. Um, it hasn't been easy. And of course. I've, I've done my fair share of complaining about the economy and how things aren't quite set up. You know, healthcare is a problem as an artist in this country. Um, I won't I won't get it too far into the weeds with that, but but thank you for saying that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not, I would recommend uh, a day job for most artists um, simply because like you said, I think that it helps you to keep that freedom. Um, not being dependent on your art for money is, is a blessing. However, having said that, it is still my goal to be. Of to course. <laughs> of course. That's everybody's goal. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Of course. I think, yeah, it is. And I should know, who is now a good friend of mine, an artist who I've, who I've interviewed, his interview's been quite soon actually, who I've interviewed, he actually quit his his job 
um, so to pursue art full time. And I, you know, and I, I have nothing but respect for him for doing that because, like, that would be for me. Like, I, could, I say all, I, at my job, I say all the time, like, okay, I'd love to just quit and just do something else. But it's like there's the security you have by having a day job, and I think a lot of the time people look down on artists who are who quote quote unquote part time. But really, it's, it's like having two full time jobs. That's what you're juggling, really. Yeah. Um, Exactly. And I, and I'm always surprised by a lot of artists I think who are full time who make money off art, they don't actually make all their income off art, and I'm, I'm very surprised by how many people I come across like that. Yeah, yeah, and and I think it comes in seasons too. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you know it it costs me about I don't know if naming numbers is let's just say it cost me about $10,000 to make an album and maybe two to three years to make it, which is, it takes me a long time. So that's about, that's about right for me. That's about accurate. And it seems like that's a whole hell of a lot of work and time and money to put into something that you're not getting paid for during those two to three years. But I think you have to remember, and I think maybe my case speaks to this is once it's out there, um, you have a pretty much permanent intellectual property that you have the potential to be to make royalties on for the rest of your life. I mean, it, as long as you're living and it's still available to people, um, that's passive income. And so you have to think of it like that too. Um, I think if you can be doing something like that in the background, writing a book or developing a, a photography collection or book or something like that, um, that you don't feel like you need to be paid for daily while you're doing your day job, and then yeah. you get that out there. I think it's a it can actually be a really good investment if you think of it in terms of of uh, owning property as well. I mean, I don't like to reduce it to you do it for the love of it. But yeah. there are a lot of approaches to it, and I do like the idea. I do like <laughs> the aspect of what I consider to be my job as a creator of intellectual property that then has the ability to pay me passively. I'm getting paid for it today, to some degree. Yeah. And I'm sitting here talking with you. And I love that fact. And I know that I deserve it because I it took me 20 years to get to that point, you know? So uh, it's just a different way of making money. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think everything you've said has so much value. Um, and I think it's just it's just good lessons and good, even just good reminders to people that, you know, just things don't always plan out how you think they're gonna plan out. You, just because you have you know, 100 sales this month doesn't mean you're going to get any sales next month. You know, it's like the way you said seasons, that's like the perfect way to explain it. It's like seasons, like things come, things go. Like you may be lucky one year, you may not be lucky the next, you know. You have to just persevere through all of that. That concludes the first part of my conversation with Kevin Scott Davis. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments about it, please send me an email at theflyingfruitball at gmail.com or our social media sites such as Twitter and Instagram. The Flying Fruit Bowl podcast can be found on a variety of sites such as Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please consider rating, reviewing, sharing, or subscribing on any of those platforms to help us spread the word. Don't forget to check out www.theflyingfruitball.co.uk for daily art inspiration and written interviews. Also, if you're a creative, please get in touch for a chance to be featured or interviewed. We now also have a Patreon if you're interested in supporting the platform further. Tiers start from £1, 
and you can find more information at patreon.com forward slash the flying fruit bowl once again thank you very much for listening to this episode today and until next time folks please stay safe